Hello, goblins. We want to know more about you, our listeners, so we can try to get some sponsorship to support our network and our creators. We love podcasting and putting out content, but it can be financially strenuous, as we're sure many of you know. Head to cavegoblins.com slash survey and answer some quick questions to be in the draw to win a $20 Amazon gift card. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Everything Economics. I am your host, Talia Murdoch, and would like to begin by acknowledging that we are fortunate to be able to gather on the unceded territory of the Coast Salish people where this podcast is recorded. Today, I'm going to be exploring the logic behind Trump's southern border wall. Is it worth it? The short answer is no, but I'm going to tell you why. Fortunately for me, there is an abundance of information out there as this is a highly contentious issue. I'll be exploring costs, land, ethics, security, and ecological impacts relating to the wall. The US border with Mexico stretches some 2,000 miles or 3,200 kilometers, the length of 10.5 million American football fields. Yeah, it's pretty big. Four US states straddle the border, being Texas, New Mexico, Arizona, and California. So building a wall along this border would be a very expensive thing to do before even getting into any legal and conservation issues. It's just so large. Back in 2015, when everything was really gearing up for this during campaign times, a Senate leader estimated that it will cost 12 to 15 billion US dollars to build the wall. So how does this figure stand today? A recent Department of Homeland Security internal report in February put the cost at $21.6 billion. But that may have been a major underestimate. Democrats put the cost up to $70 billion as well. So we have a lot of variation here. By comparison, the Berlin Wall, another pretty famous one that spanned just 96 miles, cost $25 million to build in 1961. With inflation, this would be equal to $200 million today. And this construction did not face the land-based challenges that Trump's wall will. More on that a bit later. All right, now in the early 2000s, in a post 9-11 world, 670 miles of fencing on the US-Mexico border was completed by the Bush administration. This represents roughly one third of the border area and spans across some of the easier and less costly areas to fence. These are areas where people can actually cross illegally on foot or by vehicle without much difficulty when there are no physical barriers. Similarly, a large amount of this fencing is vehicle border. Imagine some star pickets crossed over one another so a vehicle can't drive over areas that are not heavily patrolled by police officers. Now, this construction costs the Bush administration about $2.4 billion. Remembering again that this was completed in 2006 and was done on easy-to-handle parts of land. Much of the unwalled or unfenced border exists across mountain ranges and along the Rio Grande. I will post a really neat interactive map on cavegoblins.com so you can see what currently exists and what Trump is proposing. So this wall, or even if it does turn out to be the less expensive option, a fence, would sure be a pricey venture. Considering maintenance and repair costs as well, which could be as high as $750 million per year, over time it will be much higher and for little to no benefit to the American people. Many hard right-leaning Republicans even agree that this is a bad use of taxpayer money, and if security is the end goal, Using the funds to invest in new technology would make far more sense. 
But Trump insists that America will not in fact pay for the wall. Mexico will. He believes first that a renegotiated trade deal with Mexico will bring in more tariff revenue, which kind of baffles me because the tariffs will just raise the price of steel anyway, which will likely be the product used to build the wall. So even if it did, I don't think the impact would be real. Secondly, Trump has said he will impose higher visa and entry fees and impound remittance payments from illegal wages. Now, many migrants who travel from Mexico into the US work so they can send money to their families at home to buy basic life needs like food, water, healthcare, and shelter. These payments often account for up to 80% of the income of the 46% of the Mexican population living in poverty. Stealing this money from workers would absolutely devastate many families who are just trying to survive. Moreover, remittances from the US account for about 3% of Mexico's GDP, representing the third largest source of foreign revenue. On top of this, seizing remittance payments at the border could potentially increase the flow of undocumented workers into the United States as people's survival needs become more desperate. It is difficult to actually estimate the cost of building the wall or the fence, whatever it ends up being. One of the key challenges that Congress will face if this does ever go ahead, unlikely let's hope, is acquiring the land that the wall or fence will be built on. Now, when the Bush administration undertook the Secure Fence Act or initiative, they tried to seize an acre or so in Cameron County, Texas. This land was private property belonging to Eloisa Tamez. She did not want to give up her land so quickly and easily, I mean rightfully so. After seven years of litigation and negotiation, the government eventually paid her $56,000 for a quarter acre, plus a gate with a code so she can access the south of her property. This was just for a quarter acre. Knowing that about a third of the land that the new sections of the wall want to be applied are owned by the federal government and Native American tribes, this type of case will likely be seen again. Particularly given that this project has faced so much opposition and criticism, any private property owner who refuses to give up their land will likely gain a strong support of following and a lot of media attention. Additionally, most such land in the Wars Path belongs to the Tonoho Odaham Nation, and I'm sorry if I pronounce that wrong, please feel free to correct me, including a reservation that extends along 62 miles of the border in Arizona. Tribes have certain property rights under the Constitution and federal statutes. Many of their lands are held in trusts, which federal law recognizes as independent political entities. Trump would need a bill from Congress to acquire the tribal lands, which are protected by treaties and other statutory equivalents. I mean, can anyone honestly see this being achieved in the short term without having to enter a courtroom? I can't. So land acquisition will be a massive hurdle for the Trump administration to tackle, further increasing the time and the costs to complete the wall. Let's talk about ethics now. Are the goals behind the wall just and fair? Again, the short answer is no. And this is where we can really get into whether or not the wall actually has any benefits to the American people. The primary goal of the wall is to secure the US border from illegal immigrants entering the country on foot. Now, the vast majority of people who arrive at the US-Mexico border today are asylum seekers from Central America. The US is a signatory to Article 3 of the UN Refugee Convention, which says that once signed, a country must accept anyone seeking asylum in their country. So by international law, they are obligated to accept and process these people in a humane way. 
So what would a border wall do to these people? Well, when parts of a wall started being constructed in the 90s, nearly 8,000 migrants seeking asylum or a better life died in Arizona up to today and parts of Texas, as they were just so desperate to escape violence, persecution and extreme poverty. A wall sends them on a more dangerous journey. Without a safe place to claim asylum, which the wall would completely destroy, these people are left at the mercy of drug cartels and other criminal groups that exist in northern Mexico near the border. This kind of, quote, security really sends a message of go die somewhere else. For some reason or another, though, so many people don't care and buy into propaganda that asylum seekers are in fact violent criminals, terrorists who threaten the security of the American nation. Surprise, surprise, this just isn't true. Immigrants commit crimes, including violent ones, at a much lower rate than native-born Americans. Many independent studies have shown time and time again that there is no evidence that undocumented residents accounted for either the rise in crime or even a substantial number of the crimes in places like Chicago and elsewhere. If the money needed to build the wall was instead invested in improving technology to both secure the border and provide more legal avenues for asylum seekers to gain refuge in America, everyone wins. You know, this is probably something the Democrats who are withholding funds would actually go for. Immigrants and asylum seekers are just people seeking a better life. They are just people who are suffering, who can't eat, who can't feed their family, who get killed if they speak out against their dictatorial government. They are people. I could scream about this until I turn blue. I just don't get it. In reality, there are more people living illegally in the US who actually entered with a valid visa and just didn't leave. About 10 million or so. People entering without documents just isn't a big deal for the average citizen. They need help. So what about our furry friends? What impact will the wall have on the ecosystem? Not the best, but we also don't really know. Not long ago, a rare breed of jaguar was caught on camera at the existing border fence, the third of its kind known to ever wander into Arizona from Mexico since 2012. He is estimated to be the sixth big cat spotted since being wiped out in the 1960s, so this is pretty significant stuff from a conservation perspective. The reason he was there was to search for a mate. His breeding population exists about 130 miles south of the border in Mexico, so whether these jaguars gain a real foothold in the US will depend on a very slow northern migration. Given that climate change is well underway, we could hypothesize that they will need to migrate and find new lands to survive. But actually being sure on how a wall would affect this will take years of research. Something that the wall proposals have not factored in. This area too, where Mexico, Arizona and New Mexico meet, is one of the largest protected landscapes in North America outside of Alaska and Canada. It is ecologically diverse land, with deserts and mountains, and both temperate and subtropical climates. The mountains, for example, are wetter than the surrounding desert, and vegetation changes with elevation. Shrubs and cacti at the base are replaced by oak, juniper and pine, and even fir and spruce trees at the top. It sounds amazing, I actually really want to go and see it after reading about this. If you can, I don't know. It is estimated that over 7,000 plant and animal species live in this area, and again, understanding what impact a wall could have on them will take time. Very, very unfortunately, in 2005, US Congress passed a law called the Real ID Act, 
which allows the Secretary of Homeland Security the authority to waive local, state and federal laws that might slow the construction of national security infrastructure on the US-Mexico border, obviously in direct relation to the recently mentioned Secure Fence Act. These laws that can be waived include the Endangered Species Act, the Migratory Bird Treaty Act and the Wilderness Act, all of which would ensure proper ecological assessments undertaken prior to construction. This habitat would be at great risk if the wall does go ahead and would no doubt have long-term consequences to the US economy. Remember, environment is a very important resource to the economic success of any nation and should be carefully considered when planning projects of this scale. So from my readings, the wall is not worth it. There is no real threat at the border. People will suffer. Plants and animals will suffer. It will cost so much taxpayer money, both direct and indirect, if we consider all of the negative externalities associated with the displacement of people and the destruction of plants, animals and ecological life. It just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. It really seems like a bit of a legacy project, to be honest. Build a big wall and put my name on it. I sincerely hope that this falls through and is not built. Much better things can be done in this scenario to ensure that the country remains safe and ensure that everyone is treated fairly and justly and that the environment is protected. As always, thank you so much for listening. I've kind of been avoiding this topic in all parts of my life because it just annoyed me so much. So it was nice to actually find out why it annoyed me and I hope you learned something too. You can follow the show on Twitter at EveryEconomics or find the whole network at Cave Goblins across all social media platforms. Check out our Patreon too. We have started adding extra content to it that you can access for a small monthly donation. All of the money will go directly back into the network, not our pockets, so we can support all of the amazing shows we host. That's patreon.com slash cavegoblins. Thank you again. Be kind to each other. I am Talia Murdoch, and this has been Everything Economics. Are you a new DM? Are you an experienced DM? Doesn't matter. Listen to DMs of Vancouver for great DMing advice. This is a Cave Goblin podcast. For other podcasts like this, visit cavegoblins.com. We hope you have enjoyed this program.